Uh, with our remaining time, what I want to do is uh, we're going to be looking in uh, the book of Exodus. We're gonna, today we're going to be looking at, it's, a, it's an end of year message as we look forward to 2018. I want you to consider really briefly, when does time start for you? When do you go back to as like the most significant time in your life? Was it something extraordinary that happened or maybe it was something very terrible that happened? But there was a time in your life that we go back to where the reset button was pressed and we're like, that's where life really started for me. If you're in middle school or high school, you're probably, uh, middle schoolers, you're probably thinking, life really starts when I turn 16 and I get a car or I can start driving. That's when life starts. And if you're in college, you might be looking out past college and you're like, as soon as I get out of this undergraduate degree, that's when life's going to start for me. Um, you know, so, so you look at it and we, we have a tendency of looking uh, ahead and saying that's when life's going to start. Or we can turn around and we can look back and say that's when life started for me badly or badly or well. Right? That's that terrible thing that happened to me that marked me and defined my life for me. Or that's that wonderful thing that happened that defined my life for me. And in what we're going to look at is a, is a passage of scripture where God was hitting the reset button. He was resetting the clock for the people of Israel, for the Hebrew people. as They were, they were in Egypt and he was like, hey, I'm going to start a new thing and it's going to start now. It's going to start fast. Get on board. The God train's pulling out of the station. Let's go. Woo woo. Right. That's not really what it says in Exodus, but that's how I understand it. Um, so we're going to read two, two passages. I'm actually going to read the first one for us today. It's Exodus chapter 3, verses 17 through 22. I'll read that one, and then I'll invite you all to, to read with me for Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The first passage, this first, section of pas- uh, this first section of Scripture, sets up the second one. Moses is here. He's at, the, uh, he's at the burning bush, that whole moment where the bush is burning. Moses turns aside. He's like, huh, burning bush, uh, a talking burning bush. This is unique. Let's pay attention to this. And he walks up to it, and this is what God speaks to him in this moment. He says, I need you to speak to the people. of You're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to talk to the Hebrew people. You're going to bring them a message, and this is what you need to say to them. Exodus three seventeen through 22. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will say they they will pay heed to what you say and you, you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. I will grant you this uh, I will grant you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it will be that It will be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house, articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. Okay, please stand with me. We'll read Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Moses,
This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that in this brief time we have to examine your word, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to comprehend the good thing, the new thing that you desire to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. In this first passage of scripture, uh, the first one that I read, there are a couple things I want to draw out just very, very briefly. And that's that, that's that God says, hey, I want you to do this. You're going to make this declaration and you're going to say that you're going to go. He said, but, but they're not going to want to let you go. I want to say that as we think about this message, as we're talking about starting a new thing and stepping into new seasons, I want to warn you that the things that currently have you entangled and the things that are currently dragging you down don't want to let go. You will find a lot of people that want to send you in the wrong direction that will agree with you to do the wrong thing. You will find a lot of people in life that, that cheer you on down the wrong path. Middle schoolers, high schoolers. You will find a lot of people who will cheer you down the wrong path. But the voice of the one who's going to call you down a right path might be quieter. It might sound less cool. It might be less awesome. It might seem less exciting or less adventurous. But I want to guarantee you, I want to assure you today, there is no more exciting, no more joyous, no more life-giving endeavor than pursuing and serving the Lord with your life. Woo! All right. Or, or is that where the high school is? Is that where y'all are back there? <laughs> I want to assure you of that. Don't just take that the voice is loud to mean that God is standing behind this and God is calling it to be. But the temptation for us adults is not, is not gone either, is it? We can also find people who are cheering us along the right way, uh, along the wrong path and, and cautioning us even against the right path. I met a man who owns an NBA basketball team whose life was in, uh, like, like that's how much money he has. He, he had flown somewhere on his private jet where we were now meeting. And, and, you know, I was kind of piecing these things together. And I was like, my goodness. And this man started to share with me how his life was in, in, in shatters, right? It was, it was torn up. It was, it was, he was facing the loss of his marriage. He was facing a whole lot of other issues. And he's like, and it's miserable. And I said, well, you didn't get this wealthy on your own, did you? He goes, no. I said, you've got business advisors, right? He goes, yes. I said, do you have any life advisors? Do you have anybody, anybody warning you and cautioning you and calling you into a higher and better life? And he goes, no, people pretty much tell me to do what I want to do. And it was baffling to me. To see this man who's literally worth billions, you Google him and his house comes up. It's that kind of, it's that kind of, re, it's that kind of life. And he just, people just tell him to do what he wants to do. Well, I'm glad I don't have people who tell me what I want to do. Because what I want to do is oftentimes, the first thing I want to do is oftentimes wrong. It's selfish. It's self-promoting. It's self-lifting up. It's self-provision. But I've got people in my life who steer me, and, and this guy lacked that. But I want to, so, so that's not even what the message is about, but I just, I just felt like in my heart, I needed to caution you that getting out of the situation that you're in will be difficult because uh, other people don't necessarily want to see you succeed, but more importantly, the devil doesn't want to see you succeed. The, la- the devil is real. So this is a church. We believe in God. A God who is exist, who has existed before time existed. He's existed from before time and he'll exist after time. He's always and forever. He's infinite. He's omnipresent. He's omni, he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He is everywhere and he has all power. That's the God that we believe in. 
Okay, so, so we believe in the supernatural. We believe in miracles. We believe in these things, okay? And there's also a devil. And the devil wants to, to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to distract you. He wants to keep you from walking in the freedom, the victory, and the life that God has for you. Okay, and so more than just other people who want to drag you down, more than the man wants to keep you down, the devil wants you not to thrive and experience the fullness of life that Christ intends for us to have. So now what we want to do is I want to look at the beginning, uh, things beginning to end, the ending, (laughs) how did I say it? Put it up. Things beginning to end, the ending of things and the beginning of things. The beginning, things beginning to end. God spoke to Moses and Aaron. First of all, God spoke like that's pretty awesome. And and we kind of glad we glad we glance over these things when we read our Bible, but God spoke to them. The same God who created everything with words, the same God who spoke time and matter and space into existence with his words is now speaking to Moses and Aaron. That same God speaks to you and I today by his Holy Spirit and through this, the written word. And that's the privilege that we have by being, by, by pursuing God. That's the, pri- the privilege that we inherit through the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that we can hear and we can walk and we can stay in step with the spirit of God in our lives. And so he spoke. He spoke to them about deliverance while they were in bondage. And that's the pattern. That's the pattern. God seems to do this. That when people were enslaved, he's speaking to them and he's like, I'm going to get you out of slavery. Right? It makes sense. When God raised Lazarus from the dead, it's because Lazarus was dead that he was brought to life. He spoke to the void and made light. He said, uh, his, uh, one, a man came to him and said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. My what servant will be healed? My sick servant would be healed. God sees us in the condition that we're in and he calls us out. And in the calling out of God, what we experience is the beginning of the end. We see things beginning to end, but he does it while we're in it. So if you're in addiction today, if you're, if you're in some sort of bondage, you're, you, you're addicted to alcohol, you're addicted to drugs, you're addicted to internet things. If there's something that you're bound up by, something that you're held captive by, I want you to hear the voice of God today calling you out and saying, this is the beginning of the end of that thing. Amen. Does anybody have something they need to end? Does anybody need to hear God promise the end of a thing in your life? Good, good. It's not just me. There are things in my life that just drag me down and distract me and, and, and draw me away from the things of God. And this is the beginning of the end for you today. If you would hear and respond to the voice of God. If you're in a tough spot, that just means that you're well positioned for God to call you out and to bring you into a new thing. But I also want to assure you that you don't just have to be in a tough spot for God to bring you into new things. Sometimes he likes to jack you up by taking your good thing to give you his God thing. 
right? Most of his disciples, we don't know enough about their life to know how they were struggling. We know that there were people so that they were struggling. You know, maybe business was tough or they had a spat with their, their spouse or, you know, things were whatever. And the market was down a little bit and they were trying to figure it out. And the Roman taxes and, you know, so all this stuff was difficult. But Jesus came to them and he called them to himself out of lives that were just pretty normal. So you don't have to wait for your life to train wreck to respond to the voice of God is all I'm trying to say to you. If you're in middle school or high school, you don't have to run off the, <laughs> run off the bridge and go, oh no, I've got to destroy my life before I respond to God. No, you can respond to God now while it's still good. In fact, I encourage you, please respond to God now while things are good. So that you won't have to p- be putting things back together. There, there's pain and there's consequence that you can avoid by responding to God well now in your young age. You're like, a, you're like a sapling, like a little tree in the garden that can be picked up and replanted easily. But for us adults, for, the, for those of us who are up out of school, for those of us who have, have uh, careers and, and families and everything else, we're more like those full-grown oak trees that you see, and those are difficult to move. I guess the word falls apart. All analogies are like nachos. They fall apart. And... <laughs> And so you can't move the full grown tree, but you can move, but none of us are full grown. We're not done growing. So we can be moved. So I put it back together. Right. This new beginning that God was talking about was starting a new calendar. And the, the Hebrew people had several different calendars that they would go by, much like we do, right? The government has a fiscal calendar that ends in October. Is that right? And then the calendar year starts in 2018 and the school year starts in September. And, you know, your summer calendar starts in June, right? So we've got different calendars and the Hebrews had different calendars as well. And this calendar, this new time that God was creating for the Hebrew people right now in this moment was to be a, a calendar. It was the mark of a new thing. And it was going to be a a marker of a spiritual reality, a new deliverance that was happening. It was a calendar that was marking the beginning of things. It was marking the freedom of things. It was liberation. It was wholeness. It was a time of intimacy and relationship with God. God was going to be their God and they were going to belong only to him and they were going to be his people and they were going to know each other. And that gets built out through the book of Exodus. As you read Exodus, you get to see it's really a cool book. You can read it because it reads like a narrative for a lot of it. And so, so God's, God's establishing a new, free, liberated, intimate, relational season, a new time for these people. In order to step into this new time, there needed to be an ending of things. The things that needed to end, there was bondage that needed to end. They were enslaved by another people. They were held captive by it. So bondage had to stop. There was doubt and unbelief. I wonder if God has forgotten about us. I wonder if he's left us. I wonder if he's not mindful of us anymore. He's moved on to other things. Maybe he's selected other people. Maybe I'm just not among the chosen. The doubt that happens when you're in a difficult situation or your, your body isn't being healed or your finances aren't recovering or your, 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 your relationships are still falling apart. Those doubt and questions and unbelief that, that, that pour down on us of the accusation that comes from the enemy, the accusation that comes from people who don't know or love God. Maybe you should just, maybe you should just forget trying that. Maybe you shouldn't forget. Maybe you should harbor that unforgiveness. 
you know, there's, you can find people today who tell you that, that, that the things that, that we, we know from Scripture and we actually know through psychology and other things to be bad, people are saying, no, this is a good thing. If, if there weren't younger ears in the room, we could talk a little bit more plainly about these things. But internet, internet addictions, a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. How is that fine? And how is what's happening in Hollywood and politics and everything else with Weinstein and that whole thing? How is that not at all? How, is, how are we separating the sexual revolution and, and internet stuff from what's happening in Hollywood and what's happening in politics and people feeling like they have a right to other people's bodies? How can we act like those are two different things? When we're like, go and get whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want online. And then people have this attitude that they can have whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want it. And that's somehow like, oh, you crossed the line, buddy. You can only violate people you can't see. That you're not going to have to look at in the eyes. You can only hold them captive. Guys, we can't, we can't do that. We've got to be consistent. And it seems prude, but you know what the word prude means? Prudent. Wise. I had this moment in my quiet time the other day. I, I was reading Proverbs and it was like, um, prudent. Uh, oh gosh, what did it say? Oh, it doesn't even matter. But the word prudent was in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember getting called prude in high school. I know they don't say it anymore, but it was like, because I wasn't going to kiss girls. I wasn't going to make out. I was like, you know what? I'm going to date. I'm, I'm not going to date until I got a job and I'm ready to get married. That's the decision I made when I was 14. And there was more to it. We can talk about that at a later time. But I was like, I'm going to wait until I'm ready to get married to date because I don't want to I don't want to waste time. It had nothing to do with I Kiss Dating Goodbye, uh, which was a book that came out about the time I was a teenager. Not the greatest book. Josh Harris is on tour with TEDx now talking about how to admit when you've done something wrong. I Kiss Dating hello, but I was going to wait until I was ready to kiss dating hello, because why date someone if I wasn't really in a position where I could marry her? Make sense? All right. So that's my suggestion. (laughs) But because I wasn't making out, because I wasn't dating, because I wasn't doing the things that, uh, you know, people presume high schoolers should be doing, people were like, you know, the the kindest thing that was said of me was was that I was prude. And so I'm reading my Bible the other day and I was like, wait a second, the word prudent has the word prude in it. Oh, wait a second. They were complimenting me. It was a compliment all along. They were calling me wise for not dating and giving myself up to all these different women and and making out with other people's wives. They were calling me wise. How about that? They were complimenting me because at my, on my honeymoon, I would look at my wife and I'd say, I do. And you're the only one for me always and forever. How cool is that? People complimenting me. So go ahead and be a little prude. If you're middle school, high school or single. Go ahead and be a little bit prude. It's prudent. It's wise. It's preserving yourself for your future marriage. You're somebody's spouse. Pretty cool. I remember thinking in high school, I thought about it more than, I guess, because I wasn't dating. I'd be like, I've got a wife who's doing something right now. (laughs) And then I got in college. I was like, I got a wife who's doing something right. I hope she's right. (laughs) 
You just started praying for my wife. Lord Jesus, keep those men away from her. <laughs> Lord Jesus, keep me away from her. I don't want to mess this up <laughs> before I'm ready. The end of things. Oh, insignificance is one of the things they had to get. They weren't a people. They belonged to a people. They had no significance. And they were going to have to come out of insignificance. Now, I want to say that coming out of these things is difficult. The ending of these things is tough because oftentimes we take them on as our best friend. Without fear, what would it be like? Without that grudge, how would I relate to them? It's unknown. It's scary. We know that it's bad and it's not healthy and it's, it's, not, it's not complete. But, but at least we have it and we know how things are going to be. If I let go of this, how is it going to feel at the holidays? I'm, I'm just not sure. It's scary. But we have to be willing to let go of the things that God desires to bring us out of. As scary as it is. Indeed, that is our faith walk. So that's the ending of things. And then there's a beginning of things. Now, what, what happens in Exodus chapter 12 is we, we read those two verses that God is starting this new thing. He's starting this new calendar and he's doing a new thing. And then the rest of, in the rest of that chapter, what God does is he explains to the Hebrew people how it's going to happen, how it's going to go down. And he talks about Passover and they're going to have to kill a lamb and they're going to have to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And the spirit of God was going to come over and he was going to kill the firstborn son in every house except for those that had the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. It's what we know as, the, as Passover. It's, it's the, the Passover of judgment. And that when the blood of the lamb was on it, the, the, it passed judgment, passed over. And that's what Christianity is really all about. That's part of what Christianity is about. It's that Jesus, the lamb of God's blood was spilled for us. And we take that blood and we apply it to our lives and judgment passes over us. And that's how it was going to come. So this is a freedom that didn't come at no expense. This is a freedom that came at great expense. Any freedom that we have comes at great expense, family. And we need to acknowledge that and recognize it and appreciate it for what it is. The beginning of things, it was going to be a beginning of freedom. It was going to be a faith walk. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And it was going to be an opportunity to know who they were. You can't fully know who you are and what you're called to do and what your purpose is until you know who God is. And when you know who God is, it establishes who you are. And when you know who you are, it's going to be in the context of the broader people of God. Every joint supplies. Every joint has a role. Every person has a part to play in this greatest story that Terry, that Terry spoke of today. New Year's Eve is not the same. New Year's Day is not the same as what God established then. But in our, in, our, in our culture, we do celebrate this day. We celebrate tonight and tomorrow as being the beginning of a new thing. It's a fresh slate. It's a great time to start over. The good news is that because it's not something that God is established, it means that we can experience this New Year's feeling in June. 
We can experience this New Year's feeling in August. We can experience the New Year's feeling today, not just because it's December 31st and tomorrow's the 1st, but it's because we recognize that Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never fail. They are new every morning. God has built into our reality, the sun spinning the way it does around the, around the world, that every single day we have the opportunity to step into his new mercies and to step into his new freedoms and to step into new realities of significance, of faith, of freedom, and of knowing Jesus. Y'all, this is exciting. So I want to pose this to you, if God is powerful and merciful enough to bring dead to life, maybe he's capable of redeeming brokenness in our lives, brokenness in our families, brokenness and pain in our culture. Not just because it's January 1st tomorrow. Not just because a ball is dropping. Not just because the calendar's new but because his mercies are new every single morning. I'm excited about walking into the new things of God tomorrow. But I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I'm going to walk into those realities now by faith to take hold of the promises of God, to walk into the freedom and the fullness of life that he has for us. That's what's available to us today because God is alive today. That's the why. Because he loves us first and because he's God, we can take hold of it today. Amen. Jesus, I ask that you would help us to walk in the new reality that is available for us. The way, that, the way that you restarted the calendar for the Hebrew people and you said, this is going to be your new reality. This is going to be the time, that this will be the moment that you mark time from in your life. I ask that today would be a moment where we mark time from in our lives of walking into the fullness of freedom and life and significance and purpose that you have for us. God, teach us to restart our clock every day because your mercies are there to greet us every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. 